And we're off. Hey, EOC, it's Matt and... Hi, it's me, Brody. <laughs> I'm just really worried. I don't know what... I, I've just signaled something for him. We've got a special treat for you guys. Um, I met with the Strathfield exec earlier this week and we had a discussion. Um, the recording says it all, so I'll just play it for you now. <laughs> so just to give some crucial context, we're in the Strathfield EOC exec meeting and Julia has just asked what Brody looks like. And <laughs> I said that think gangly ranger, <laughs> but not crazy ranger, like obviously, but like there's some ranger in his beard, pointy, not round, <laughs> and about my height. And now I'm going to ask Julia. She's disappointed in this description. What were you thinking when you heard Brody's voice, never having seen him? <laughs> I imagined more like beach. Like fat? You were, you were no, thinking fat, right? I was right? thinking like beachy, but like tanned. Kind of like from like a tropical island. Like so, a beard. So, and so basically, <laughs> you have imagined, imagined him as somebody from Baywatch. <laughs> <laughs> Or, or Katut from those Amy <laughs> insurance ads, like with the funny head wrap and like the pina colada that he's bringing to the girl on the beach chair. That, that's what you thought he looked like. Neither confirm or deny. <laughs> I just thought I'd share that with Brody. Um, <laughs> he hasn't heard that. <laughs> what did you mean I look pointy? Well, you're not. Like, you know how some people have rounded features and others don't? You, you don't know what's going underneath this beard, man. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. My face can be yeah, any shape. You've got, a, you've got a pointy nose. You, you like, you, you're a lean machine. <laughs> so you, you're not exactly, like, rounded. That's, that's all I was trying to say. <laughs> Thanks, maybe. I'm not sure. I think, um, you know, Baywatch, look, it's not far off. I think you'd have to say. <laughs> I, I did grow up in a coastal town. That you know, <laughs> is true. Uh, Can I, you surf though? I have surfed. Yeah, okay, that's not the same. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. Well, thanks for sharing that with everyone. Oh, I thought, you know, just um, they're doing the hard work of prepping for Bible studies and such. I figured we'd um, <laughs> distract them. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'd treat them. Um, we'd treat them. Anyway, <laughs> let's get into the study. Yeah, uh, well, we'll get there eventually. Um, Thank you uh, to Julia for her um, sage comments and, and wisdom concerning... Maybe we'll meet one day and, and all the uh, suspicions will be... Yeah. Um, uh, guys, so, some, some quick um, housekeeping stuff before we jump into the podcast. Um, a, as you know, we've been trying very hard to keep things um, uh, light and short. They may and... not know that. They just have to take us at our word. <laughs> And um, we haven't done a very good job of it, uh, and we appreciate that uh, you have limited time, um, and so we want to make the, the, the greatest bang for the buck, so to speak, and maximise uh, the time that you do give to this. And so we're going to rearrange things a bit. Last week I said that we would continue our four-part structure where we kind of did the review and then looked at the passage and then did some tips and tricks for leading and then the Catholic Protestant distinctive. We're going to rearrange things a bit. Um, we're really going to just be doing two things in the podcast from now on. Because I want my cake and I want to eat it as well, I've merged the tips and tricks for leading with the review of last week's thing. So what so I'm going to do... you feel better about yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's also going to streamline things a bit. So what we'll do is we'll have a look at how we uh, led the studies last week. 
And then from those observations, Brody and I will spend a bit of time chatting about uh, how we can respond and the skills and the, and the things that we need to be aware of that might help us avoid that pitfall in future. At which point we will then shift to looking at the Bible study. Now we're going to do things a bit differently here as well. One of the things that occurred to us last week is that we go through the draft study that you don't have in front of you because we then go edit it afterwards and then send you the edited version. And so you're kind of just following along and trying to listen to us. And we also realize that it, it takes a lot of time for us to get to the conclusion. Some of us more than others, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, but for example, um, Brody and I spent about an hour just now sitting and trying to chew around today's passage. Uh, and rather than kind of fumble in the dark on record and you can just listen to our wild musings, we actually are, are going to keep things a bit tighter. And so we've already done the box. Mm. We're not going to discuss it on the spot. The box is done. Which is, I tell you, starting this starting this particular recording, it just feels so much lighter. Like there's... Well, a, you, yeah, you spend the first four minutes talking about what I look like. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But like we brought Harold, <laughs> but I don't think we'll need to honk him anymore. Um, well, you never know. We'll see. Hey, yeah. just for the record, too, by the way, um, I forgot to bring Harold today, and so I actually went back to my house to get him. Yeah. And I, I went into the house, and Beth wasn't expecting me to come home, and so she said, "What did you forget?" And I said, "Harold." And she just looks at me, and she goes, "Are you serious? You can make those noises yourself." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so guys, um, just practice squeezing Matt when you see him. No, no, that, is, that no, we are not doing that. Um, but Harold might be a bit redundant, uh, but he, he's here for the ride anyway. Um, yeah, so basically, what we're going to do then is we are going to read out what uh, each week's Bible study contributors wrote in their box, uh, and then we're going to discuss it and use that as a means of getting to what we've already pre-prepared. Um, and then what we'll do is we'll discuss the study that we've edited, so the study that you have in front of you, so that you can be a bit more aware of how to use the questions you'll be using. Mm. Uh, and we think that'll be better. And we, we've also been thinking that it'd be great for you to actually spend some time thinking about the box yourself before we kind of taint your view of it. And so <laughs> when we uh, pause the podcast for you to read the passage, we'd also really like it if you could just take a few minutes to think about what you might put in the box, what you think the, the passage is about, why it's written, the main point and the big question. Yeah, so the, the best way that you can prepare for this podcast um, is to answer the four questions every week. Um, that you can spend all of 30 seconds doing them, like it doesn't have to be big and involved. It's just have an attempt at getting something down and trying to summarize, because the art of summarizing the, the exegetical content of the passage um, the better you get at that particular skill, the better a Bible teacher you will be. And if you have a go, then it means once you see what we've got down and once you think about what the, the people who wrote the study have actually got down as well, you can kind of see where it overlaps and you know what things different people are trying to pull out. And I think that's helpful too. Yeah, I think that's right. Because you'll realize, oh, I focused on this, but I missed this. Or, oh, I got the focus right, but the particular wording wasn't quite there. Or... I didn't get the nuance of the application or wherever it is. Yeah. And so in summary, what we're doing, we're, just think of, of a two-stage thing. We'll, we'll start the podcast, we'll review, and then think about what it looks like to lead and, and avoid that pitfall in the future. 
and then we'll shift to the passage. I'm actually going to read the passage out for us, I think, in the podcast. Hey. Uh, I am. Wow. I'm, I'm going to add an extra minute of length because I am confident with these changes. I feel like, you know, you want to... Can we just try it like once and see whether yeah, we actually look, finish it? We're, we're trying it today. Okay. It's, it's going right. to be fine. Um, and and at, that, at that point, then we'll start discussing the box and you will have, ideally, um, one in front of you that you've put together. So the, the four questions, what is the passage about, why was the passage written, and then the main point and the big question for the study. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> Let's go. Step one of two. We are currently at eight minutes. I think we're doing fine. Let's do this. Okay. Um, what I noticed this week as I sat in on the studies um, is that we failed to land the plane. And what I mean by that is we either didn't finish the study um, or in more cases than not, we finished the study, but we didn't have any clarity on what the main point of the study was. Um, or if we'd gotten to that point, we didn't apply it. And so what's happening is we are spending fruitful time in the word, uh, but we're not drawing all the threads together at the end and tying them into a neat bow that people can take home and show their mum. Okay, so what we really want to be focusing on uh, with you today as we discuss how leading a Bible study, like the skill of leading a Bible study, um, is how you land the plane. Um, so that's pretty appropriate, I think. It's probably the most significant thing to learn as a Bible study leader because I think it's also the most common error Bible study leaders will make. Hmm. Would you say so? Well, we were chatting last week about our usual problem. We always run out of time whenever mm. we lead studies and I think that's well it is a problem isn't it? it it's a problem when you can't actually reach the end you have good chats and you can get caught up in trying to just make the discussion work without realizing it's not just about having a good conversation it's about yeah. getting yeah. to the, the point that you want to get to and i'm often driven by fear in these particular circumstances like mm. I, like i was saying to you last week actually in our downtime i, I i'm perpetually terrified that I will finish early mm. and like we will we the study will be done and it'll be half past and I'll just look at everyone and they'll be like we still got half an hour what's going on um yeah that's when you start juggling and, and yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I pull out my unicycle <laughs> <laughs> but, but the thing is right I have never ever once finished early mm. um and so the terror is unfounded uh, what Brady said before was really helpful too that might not be your particular fear you mm. might just be like oh, I've got to get these people talking. I've got to get these people answering the question. Uh, and you just get frozen in the moment. Mm. And the question you're on or the particular nuance of the discussion you're on at that point just fills your vision and that's all that you can see. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah, because there's a lot of things to keep in your mind as you're leading. You're thinking about the passage and you're thinking about the questions you're asking, but you're also thinking about the group. And uh, this is one of the reasons why having a co-leader can be really helpful because you can kind of split that role a little bit. But it's just a lot of things to keep in mind and you don't want to, uh, you don't want to let those balls drop. So you no. don't want to just ask questions and have them not make sense to the group and they're not following where you're going. You don't want to just think about the group and actually the questions you're asking have nothing to do with what you wanted to say before you got there. You need to have a balance of the two. And how, how do you reckon we do it? How do you think you get that balance? Yeah, 
Part of me actually wants to argue that you don't even try for a balance. Oh, wow, that was unexpected. unexpected. I know you were setting me up for like the slam dunk, but then I just went and played a different sport, thought, right? Yeah, we're not, yeah. The, the reason I say that is because of, of the, um, the process of learning. Like when you start to lead a Bible study, you don't nail everything at any one time. Like I can show you the Bible studies that I wrote in the first year that I did Bible studies and they were like three A4 pages and there was about 15 questions, maybe 20 questions. And I would just plow through the questions. Um, I don't think that was a bad thing because the first thing that I want anybody, including myself back then, to figure out as a Bible study leader is, is what is the passage saying and how do I communicate that? Um, so things like pastoral care, things like group dynamics and, and cultivating brilliant, engaging discussion um, those are skills that I think every leader should be striving to achieve, but they're not at the top of the priority list and they're certainly not the first thing that you want to be honing your skills in. Mm. Um, and so that, that kind of exegetical prowess where you're understanding the passage is particularly significant. Mm. Um, but there is a reality that you're, you're interacting with real people. Yeah. And yeah. so you can't, as much as, yeah, that's not the priority, you do want to get the, the passage right, you can't ignore the fact that well, you need to deliver it to yeah, those yeah. people in that context. If you're using words that people don't understand, yeah, yeah. you can't get there. And so with that in mind then, I think I want to suggest two things. Here's the slam dunk for Brody, so <laughs> you're happy now. Um, two things that you need to be um, striving to do that will help you land the plane. Uh, the first is you need to have clarity on what it is that you're trying to do. So in other words, where is the runway? Where, where is that plane actually going to touch ground? Um, and the second thing uh, is a bit more practical, and that's just time management. Mm. Um, you just need to know how much time you have in the air uh, at various stages. And so I think we'll talk about each of those in turn. Uh, the first is uh, being clear on what you're trying to achieve. Uh, and I know that you might find this pretty mundane and uh, unsurprising. That summary box at the top of your Bible studies, there is a reason that that's there. And that reason is to give you that clarity. And so the what and the why of the passage are to help you crystallize in your own mind what precisely the nub, the center of the passage is about. And everything else will hang off that statement. And you can relate everything else back to that statement, whether you understand it or not. So there's a few people who got questions in different studies uh, this last week gone um, who didn't know how to answer the questions that people asked. That's okay. Um, but knowing that it will all feed back to the main point uh, is going to help you interpret and make sense of those things that you don't immediately understand. Um, the second thing, though, is that not only does it help you answer the questions that you've got, but it also makes you realize what's important and what's not. Um, and so it will help you know if somebody asks a random question whether to shelve it or whether to go, yeah, we can go down this avenue and figure out how we can bend it back towards the landing strip that we're heading towards. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's the passage. So the second two questions, uh, well, second batch of questions, the main point and the big question, they're really the big things that you need to have in your mind. And so I would even recommend as you start the study or before you start the study, being able to recite those two things in your head. What, what is the main point for today's study? What is the big question I'm seeking to get the people in my group to ask and answer. Mm. Um, and if you can come away with those two things done, 
I think you're in a much better space. Yeah. And so in a way, if your study kind of falls apart and, you know, you're up to question two and you've got six more to go and it's, you know, 10 minutes left, you know, well, I can kind of skip a number of these because it's not the questions in the study that are important. It's actually the things that they help you understand. Yeah. And that's actually very helpful. Um, You need to feel free to not ask every question that's on the sheet. Um, because if you laboriously just work your way through the questions, if a question takes longer than you expected to answer, then you just get more and more stressed because you're running out of time. Mm. Um, But also, in addition to that, I would also want to say that it also means that as you look at the five or six questions you've got on the sheet, you need to determine how much time those questions should take. And this kind of leads us to our second thing, which is time management. Now, I've got a message from one of the leaders uh, this week. I won't tell you from which campus. And they were saying that somebody um, in a Bible study group that they're aware of, um, their Bible study has been finishing late for the last two weeks. And that's actually put an extra lot of stress on this student because they can't get to class on time. Uh, and whilst I appreciate that your yeah, Bible study shouldn't you know, be cut short, one of the ways that we love and serve people is to actually set a precedent that we will finish on time no matter what uh, because it means that they're not stressed in the moment and can actually be engaged with the Bible study. And so what that means is not only do you want to have clarity and so having those fourth ideas in your head, particularly the last two, the main point of the big question, you also probably want to, on the study as you prep it, write the time limits that you want for particular questions. Mm. And as much as it's unartful and not an ideal case, if you get to the end of that eight minutes that you've set aside for question one, answer the question and move on. Um, it's better to get them to work through the different things and not realize the answers to every question on their own um, and get to the end and land the plane then spend 45 minutes on the first two questions and, and get them to have that light bulb moment, but then have nothing to show for it at the end. Yeah. Uh, and my top tip when you're timing out your study, think about how long each section will take, but don't put how long next to it. Put the time on the hour. Yeah. So yeah. That you can look at your watch and go, oh, it's 25 past. Mm-hmm. Hang on, I said by 22 past, I'd be finished now. So you, know, you can actually check in the moment. Yeah, yeah. And what you may want to do too um, as a means of emphasizing priorities is when you start setting the times um, start with the application at the end make sure that you give that a good 15 minutes or however long you think it'll need to discuss and then you work your way backwards and work out what the rest of the study needs to be and as much as Matt fears it it is actually okay to uh, finish early and have uh, extended time for prayer which we never make time for anyway so yeah not not juggling but yeah prayer or unicycles as the case may be Um, look that'll do us um, and we're going to shift straight now into the passage Uh, today's passage is Hebrews chapter 2 verses 5 through the end of the chapter verse 18 Um, and I think we're doing pretty well we're at 19 minutes and we're one section of two sections in I'm feeling very confident here you're an optimist. <laughs> I am, I am. I've become more of an optimist as time's gone on. I'm not sure why that's the case. Um, so why don't um, I read the passage, um, and then after I've read the passage, why don't you guys pause the podcast if you haven't already, and try and just in 30 seconds or a minute, having looked over that passage, answer the four questions in the summary overview box, yeah. uh, and then we'll launch straight in. We're not going to stop for you. You can stop for us. So how about I read the passage, and 
we'll go for it. Actually, you know what, Brody? I would like to. You, you should read. You should read the passage. I oh, want to read it. Yeah. Yeah, cool. yeah. But I, and I'll pray. Okay. The reason being is I talk too much. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm going to pray. Father, as we come before your word, I pray that by your spirit, you will open our eyes to understand it and that having understood it, it will change us and help us to become more like the Lord Jesus who condescended and took on flesh to become more like us. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Take us away, sunshine. That was really off-putting. All right, let's read. For he's not subjected to angels, the world to come that we are talking about. Someone somewhere has testified, What is man that you remember him? Or the son of man that you care for him? You made him lower than the angels for a short time. You crowned him with glory and honor and subjected everything under his feet. For in subjecting everything to him, he left nothing that is not subject to him. As it is, we do not yet see everything subjected to him. But we do see Jesus made lower than the angels for a short time, so that by God's grace he might taste death for everyone, crowned with glory and honour because he suffered death. For in bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was entirely appropriate that God, for whom and through whom all things exist, should make the source of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For the one who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one Father, that is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters, saying, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will sing hymns to you in the congregation. Again, I will trust in him. And again, here I am with the children God gave me. Now, since the children have flesh and blood in common, Jesus also shared in these, so that through his death, he might destroy the one holding the power of death, that is the devil and free those who are held in slavery all their lives by the fear of death. For it is clear that he does not reach out to help angels, but to help Abraham's offspring. Therefore, he had to be like his brothers and sisters in every way, so that he could become a merciful and faithful high priest in matters pertaining to God to make atonement for the sins of the people. For since he himself has suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are tempted. That was beautiful. Thanks. <laughs> well, let's get this box sorted. Um, shout out to Josh and Eman. They came back for a second helping oh, this week. Couldn't get enough. Um, round two. Um, let's see what they've written in the box, and then we'll see how Brody and I fared as well, and hopefully we'll get to an answer. Uh, they have written, What is the passage about? Christ suffered as a man so that we could be made holy and be brought into his family. What do you reckon, Brody? Mm. Uh, when we first came in and looked at this, I think at least for me, I, I was a little bit unsure about that. But as I reflected more, I thought that that was actually pretty good. Uh, it gets to some of the, I think what the heart of the passage is about. Last week we saw that uh, the sun is superior to angels. That was seen to be what the, the author of Hebrews was saying. And so you should listen to the sun. And this week, the focus has changed. It's not just on the sun being superior, but it's on why the superior sun became human. Mm. Yeah, and so one of the things I really like about the fact that they've, they've, they've picked up the language of the passage and they've mm. captured, I think, what is at the heart of what's going on here. Mm. Um, they talk about the suffering. They talk about him suffering as a man. 
Um, and then they have the purpose for that, which is the, so that we would be made holy and brought into his family. Mm. Uh, and so I think in general, broad strokes, uh, they've got it right. Mm. I think that this is what this passage is about. Mm. Um, we would change a few things, however, mm. uh, because what we're seeking to do is, is really just conform these statements as closely to the shape of the passage as possible. Yeah, so we, we felt like there was a bit more of an emphasis on Jesus' humanity. Uh, so in, in, their, in their what? Christ suffered as a man so he could be made holy and be brought into his family. A lot of the right stuff is there, but I think we phrase it just slightly differently so that you could get that focus on why Jesus was a human. Mm. And so here's what we've said, and then we'll tell you why we've added a few of the extra bits in. Um, we have said, and this should be in front of you if you've actually got the final study, um, it was necessary, there's our strength statement, for the Son to whom the world is subjected, to share in our humanity, to save God's elect, which we've then put in brackets, the sons, which we see there in verse 10. Um, so let me say that again. It was necessary for the son to whom the world is subjected, to share in our humanity, to save God's elect. Um, the thing that we think uh, that we have changed there um, is, like Brody said, that emphasis on humanity, but you'll also notice that we've included a little aside, the son to whom the world is subjected. Mm. And this, this we really wrestled with, I think. Because as you look over the passage, uh, particularly from verse 10 all the way down to the end of the chapter, you see a lot made of the fact that Jesus shares in our humanity. Like verse 10, it was fitting uh, that God should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. Then verse 14, uh, Therefore the children share in flesh and blood. He himself likewise partook of those same things so that he could deliver us from, from fear of death, so that he could be the propitiation for our sins, uh, so that he could be a high priest. Verse 18, um, So that when we suffered um, and were tempted, he would be able to help because he likewise has done that. Uh, and so there's a lot of stuff there about the humanity, but the thing that we really wrestled with is why the heck is he telling us this at this stage? Uh, and the answer actually is in the very beginning of the passage. Um, in verse 5, For it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come. And then he quotes Psalm 8. And Psalm 8 is like the, the passage for the pinnacle of mankind as God's creation and, and his deputized rulers for the world. And so he's taking this very famous psalm and he's applying it to Jesus. And you see there in Hebrews 2 verse 7, um, you made him a little lower, a little while lower than the angels. Um, you then crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. And so the author then asks the question, uh, we don't see that. This is the end of verse 8. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection. But what we do see is him for who a little while was made lower than the angels, um, crowned with glory and honor. And the reason for that is so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. And so what we really, um, what we, where we landed essentially is that what this person who's writing Hebrews is, is asking and saying is, God subjected the world to the Son. So why on earth was he made lower than the angels? If the whole argument up until this point is that he is higher than the angels, and in fact, here I am quoting Psalm 8, that he's going to be the one that is crowned with glory and honor and, and be subjected, everything subjected to him. Why is it that he's actually been made lower than the angels? And we, we realize that until this point, there's actually 
not really an indication that the son is human. No, no. And, and that's the significance, I think, of Jesus not being mentioned until this point in chapter 2, verse 9. Up until now, we have absolutely nothing to go on regarding the son, except that he is the heir of all things. He created the world. He upholds the world. He's the exact imprint of God. He's sitting at the right hand of the majesty and he's higher than angels. Mm. Like we have this wonderful, divine, glorious being with a message that we need to pay attention to. And so there's this real stark contrast when we get to chapter 2, 6, 7, 8, 9, where we see that actually this amazing, glorious, uh, ascended being or whatever Mm. is brought low. Mm. And so for that reason, you have to ask the question, why? And so we've included the why in the why section, but we've also hinted at it, I think, in the what. Mm, by saying the purpose statement, which is very similar to Josh and Eman's. They said so that we could be made holy and be brought into his family. We distilled that down a bit uh, and we just said uh, to save God's elect. Yeah, and we've added that extra bit of being necessary as well. Mm. So, yeah. mm. um, so then we move on to the why of the passage. Uh, and we have written here, uh, or actually, no, let's go to Josh and Eman's first. Um, so readers are reminded that the message of Christ is of utmost importance, not only due to his inherent superiority, but his sacrifice for man bringing us into his family. Mm. Which I again think is pretty well close to the mark. Mm. Um, they've captured the idea that we're paying attention to the Son. Mm. And, and in this particular passage, not because he is greater than angels in who he is, but greater than angels in what he's done, mm. which is bring about salvation. Uh, now, they keep using the term into his family. Mm. Um, I think to some extent they're justified in that because it talks about brothers and sons in chapter 10 and chapter, chapter, verse 10 and verse 11. Um, but you weren't as happy with the family language, were you, Brody? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think, I mean, you're right, it is there. Uh, but I, I am pretty keen to use the language of the passage. Uh, and I, I think, yeah, the passage is less about, I, I'm going to just suggest, the passage is less about being made part of the family, although that's definitely there. It's more what Jesus does for his brothers. Yeah, and so you see this in verse 10, right? So it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, so that's God, not Jesus, um, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. Mm. And so whilst it is talking about how we are brought into the family, the focus really is on the work of the son, Jesus, um, as a human, Mm. um, and then coming down. And so we've, we've slightly reworded it, And we've said this, um, so that readers will understand that the Son, not the angels, is the one who affects their salvation. Again, emphasizing the need to pay attention to the Son's message. Mm. Um, And so it's similar, um, but in both cases, we just are are stressing that um, it is the focus is on the Son's work in salvation. And I think it's. He is writing, the author is writing this not to show that the message of Christ is the most important one, although that's true. And I think when you go to chapter 3, that seems to be where he goes a bit more. But it seems to be to get the message right, to understand what it is that the Son has done as a human. Yeah, yeah. And so he's shifted slightly. Again, he, going back to what we said before, he's explaining why it is that the Son has come down and assumed human form. Mm. Um, 
Which leads us to our main point and our big question, which is our, the focus points for the study and the things that you need to have in your head um, as you approach leading the study next week. Um, the main point from Josh and Amen, Christ's sacrifice allows us to become children of God. Um, again, we had something similar. Uh, we said Jesus the Son. So do you notice how we're trying to keep the language of the passage there using Christ? We're using Jesus the Son. Um, Jesus the Son shared in our humanity that we might be saved. Mm-hmm. So we haven't spent, we didn't talk about the sacrifice uh, that Jesus makes. Um, we've kept it high. Yeah. Um, we don't zoom down. The passage seems to be humanity. And yeah. the sacrifice is linked to that, but it's emphasizing the humanity. Yeah. And as far as I'm aware too, I don't see sacrifice language in here other than propitiation in verse 17. So he becomes a propitiation for sins. Um, if I was to use any word, it wouldn't be sacrifice, it would be suffering. Um, and you see that in several places. He suffers death um, in verse 9. He's perfected through suffering in verse 10. Um, in verse 18, he himself has suffered when tempted. And so there's this real emphasis of Jesus suffering in his humanity that we might be saved. And it seems he, he's the high priest in 17 rather than the sacrifice. So it seems like his sufferings are what's qualifying him to act as the priest and represent us to God, Yeah, which is yeah. a little bit different. He does later on talk about also being the offering that does it, and that's here as well, but I think mm. it's a slight different. Yeah. And, and it's important actually to listen to what Brady just said in terms of his suffering qualifies him to be the high priest. That's really what the author's getting at in verse 10, where it says, the founder of our salvation is made perfect through suffering. Yeah. It's not saying that Jesus is somehow immoral or sinful and needs to be made perfect. It's talking about a qualification rather than a moral renovation. Mm. Um, so that's there. So the main point, Jesus the Son, he shares in our humanity that we might be saved. Yeah. And then we went for a, uh, a kind of a head application this week. We thought this week's really teaching good doctrine. It's teaching us why Jesus is human. And so that's what we thought the big question or the application he kind of decided should be. Do you know why the son's humanity is so important? Uh, yeah, we think that that's kind of the, the takeaway you want to get from this study. Yeah, yeah. And again, we wrestled a long time with this. Josh and Emans, they said, how should we live knowing Christ's sacrifices, brothers and sisters? Um, and I just want to say again, um, always avoid application questions that are just... How do we respond to this? Or how should we live in light of this? Yeah. Um, but we had the problem in that it was actually quite a general application still this week. Well, I've got to say, in, in defense of them, the big question is, I think, a little bit still general. So maybe when you come to the actual study, you can flesh it out a bit more. And perhaps that's what they were aiming for when they were... Yeah, and, and it's very possible. I mean, so how would we answer the big question? Big question, do you know why the son's humanity is so important? Well, he frees us from fear of death. He is a propitiation for our sins. So he removes God's wrath for our sins. Um, Although in this passage, is that what's on view? Sorry, maybe this is, a, this is, this is setting us in a different direction. I think so. I think so. Because it, it's about Christ suffering in, in as a 17, human. In verse 17. Yeah. He might become a merciful and faithful high priest to make a propitiation for the sins of the people. Yeah, for he himself has suffered when tempted and is able to help as well. See, I just wonder whether the focus is on his ability to be our priest and our representative before God rather than being the, the actual sacrifice in this passage. Yeah, yeah. And I think, well, yeah, I think that's fair. 
Um, and so I suppose what I would then do to reiterate or kind of revise what I've just said mm-hmm. is to say that he is qualified to make the sacrifice. Yeah, yeah. Um, and which is himself. We, yeah, which, but we find that out later on in Hebrews. Yeah. Um, so with that in mind, hopefully that'll give you a bit of a, um, a, a focus to know what you're trying to achieve. You're really trying to work out with the guys, what does this passage say about the son's humanity and why it's important? Mm-hmm. Really, like if we were to summarize, that would be it. Um, some brief things to look at for the study questions and then we'll just end for the day Um, the guys have been really good at bringing back the cycle of questions so observation interpretation observation interpretation building up to application Um, the only thing really that's worth flagging as we look through these things um, because the answers to the questions we'll put them on the sheet but you we've just really discussed them just not directly The big one to be aware of is that when you get to question four and it asks the observation question, what does Jesus achieve by sharing our humanity? Um, You're going to get a lot of answers back about death, about high priesthood, about um, sanctifying us, about making us brothers. Um, And you could get bogged down there pretty easily. Uh, There's a lot of interesting phrases and, and concepts that will raise questions. Um, And so we want to give you permission to sit in them if you want but just be aware that you, you big picture you're, you're seeking to push through to question five which i think is the most confusing of the questions you can get which is what does it mean for jesus to be made perfect through suffering because once you get to that point you then are connecting the dots and understanding why jesus needed to be human and it, it opens the door to ask the last application question uh, which we have there as a scenario a classmate asks you why jesus had to die how would you respond using Hebrews 2? Mm. And this is a really great way of diagnosing whether the guys in your group have understood the main point of the study. And it, it, it makes it real, right? So you, you've workshopped it. Now it's it's ready to go. They've got an answer ready for you know next hour when they're in class and someone asks that very question. Yeah, cool. Um, and I think that'll be it for today. Mm. Thanks for listening, guys. Um, we'll be praying that the studies go well. Yeah, Um, I'm going to do that now, in fact. Fantastic. Let's do it. (laughs) Heavenly Father, we pray that this week, as as these groups meet over your word, that they would see how Jesus had to be human uh, and that in his humanity, he achieved so much for us. Father, we thank you that we, through faith in Jesus, can be counted as your sons, as his brother. And we thank you that he is our great high priest, qualified through his suffering, to mediate between you and us so that we can have right relationship. Father, please, uh, this week, uh, give us great thankfulness as we reflect on these things, and we pray that our groups would glorify you in light of them. Amen. Amen. 38 minutes. That's like (laughs) seven minutes shorter than last week. That's progress. We'll catch you next week, and we'll get it under 30. It's going to be beautiful. See you later.